Yields rise, the market dips, Bank of America calls for an economic slowdown, and what is going on with Fiverr? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. We are back in the markets. Well, they are a bit mixed, uh, to say the least. We have the Dow Jones up 124 points, NASDAQ down 53, S&P 500 down 3, Rust 2K up 42, and the VIX currently spiking 2.87%. Meanwhile, if we take a look at treasury yields, we're seeing the U.S. 10-year treasury yield spike. This morning, it did go just over 1.5%. It was at 1.517% this morning, um, right around the open of the markets at 9.30 a.m. And the market's definitely not liking this, especially those growth-oriented names. So we're going to dig right into it in some of the biggest headlines. Taking a look at the market today, we see that energy, financials, basic materials, consumer statistical, industrials, all um, names, all all areas of the market that are more friendly to these higher treasury yields um, leading the way, leading the green, at least on the Dow Jones. Meanwhile, um, the sectors leading the market to the downside, you have healthcare, technologies, utilities, real estate, um, communication services, and consumer defenses leading to the downside. Healthcare taking the biggest hit in technology right behind it, down 1%. Um, so that is the market, uh, I would say, makeup today and what is leading to the upsides and downsides um, throughout the past few hours and throughout the trading day. Now, shifting into the biggest headline of the day, and it pertains to that 10-year U.S. Treasury yield um, crossing 1.5% today. Uh, And in the past week, it's actually been moving quite significantly. So if you take a look at a five-day chart of this Treasury yield, you see that since the 23rd, this thing has gone from basically 1.3% all the way up to 1.482%. In this morning, over 1.5%. If you take a look at the past six months, you can see that since the beginning of August, it has been moving steadily to the upside um, from a low of 1.18%. So the market's uh, fearing these treasury rates moving to the upside. This comes after the Fed basically announced that they're going to start tapering throughout the next uh, year. And then eventually you're going to see rate hikes um, at the very end of 2022, beginning of 2023. Um, Some sources I have talked to are calling actually for a rate hike possibly earlier in 2022 in quicker tapering who knows but those inflation fears um, are increasing the economic optimism is also increasing Um, so today we are seeing that economic optimism and the inflation fears boosting that treasury yield but really that's really just the reason um, we're connecting to these treasury yields going up. Um, If you really take a look at what drives these yields up, it's typically lower bond demand. So that's an interesting complex to think about. Now, um, it is important to note that this 10-year treasury yield is the highest um, since June, um, and it is up from 1.3% at the end of August, and we just actually went through that. But I figured I'd just note that. It's something to note. Um, it's something to keep in your mind that this is the highest level we've seen since June, um, and that is definitely spooking some investors when it comes to the growth names. That's why you're seeing a lot of those um, big-time growth names, such as CrowdStrike, 
Apple, um, and so many more moved to the downside significantly today. Now, um, here's some professional opinion. Uh, Allianz Chief Economic Advisor Mohammed El Arian was on Squawk Box this morning, um, and he was talking about yields, and he said, quote, I think the big untold story of last week is the move in yields, which was pretty consistent across the board. And the bond market is starting to smell something that the equity market hasn't quite realized yet. Otherwise, we would see much more differentiation. So he here believes that the bond market is smelling out or is ahead of the stock market, possibly smelling out an economic slowdown, quicker tapering. um, And that is what he is maybe implying there now. It is important to note also in the coming days and this week, we have Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. He's due to speak before the U.S. Senate tomorrow and then the European Central Bank Forum on Wednesday. So we're only get quite a bit of commentary out of um, our Fed Chairman Jerome Powell here over the course of the next 48 to 72 hours. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Now, when it comes to firms and what they are talking about and what they believe you should be moving into, um, firms are starting to call for a rotation back into value names um for instance they really are starting to like the for the energy area which has been hot the industrials materials financials real estate they're liking that area if you take a note out of wolf this morning or wolf research um chris scenic in a note said the clients quote we believe that these bond market moves have provided the spark for another value rip across equity markets In our view, the direction of longer-term interest rates should remain the number one driver of market returns, sector rotation, and thematic performance in the weeks ahead. So he basically here um, is calling for a rotation into value names. And that's also what we are seeing a lot of these major investors talk about or major economic advisors such as Mohamed Alarian. He's somewhat implying rotation is coming. Um, We are also seeing Bank of America implying rotation. In fact, Bank of America called today um, that they believe the U.S. is moving into a, quote, late cycle. Now, a late cycle is defined as, quote, a peaking economic activity um, and slowing growth, which we have have been starting to see for instance we talked about some slowing growth um on that morgan stanley call i believe it was in the last episode um where they gave their bear case on the market and we are starting to see some economic slowdowns um some slowdowns in parts of the economy and that's something to pay attention to um and maybe we are going to start to see a rotation out of the big growth names back into some of those more value names so shifting into this call this late cycle call by bank of america they also said that during times of late cycles um or late cycle periods you see um, that companies with strong balance sheets tend to outperform. Um, At least that's what their study found. In fact, according to CNBC, unquote, high quality stocks outperformed the equal weighted Russell 2000 in every late cycle period since 1990, according to the Bank of America analysis. So that's very interesting. Now, if you are unfamiliar with economic cycles, there's basically four expansion, peak, contraction and trough. Now, expansion is basically all you see is your economy is expanding, it's rapidly growing, interest rates tend to be low, production increases and inflationary pressures build, which we have been seeing. And then once you reach a peak, the peak of a cycle is reached when growth hits its maximum rate. So when growth basically peaks out, it starts to decelerate. You start to see decelerating growth, which we've been seeing with some of these growth names, um some 
I personally believe a lot of the decelerating growth that people are talking about in these tech names is just comparable um, or it's a comp thing compared to an accelerated quarter that we saw, saw throughout COVID-19. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, and then you have your contraction trough. So in your contraction, there is a correction that occurs um, and you see growth slowing, employment falling, and your prices remain stagnant. And then finally, you have a trough for the bottom of this economic cycle in which all of these economic indicators hit lows um, and you start to see growth rebound and come back and reaccelerate. So that's something to pay attention to. It's very interesting that Bank of America sees us going into this late cycle here, some slowing growth um, and peaking economic activity, especially on the brink of accelerating inflation. Um, two things that are not good to have at the same time. Uh, so definitely you want to be positioned in some inflation-friendly names, which we've been calling for for many, many months here on the show. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have a few. We have Morgan Stanley lowering their price target on Amazon to $4,100 from $4,300. This, in my opinion, is one of those calls that's somewhat ridiculous. If you take a look at the current stock price of Amazon, you will see that it's currently sitting way below $4,100. In fact, I believe today it is moving to the downside, um, and it is right around that 3200 level, I believe. Yes, actually, I was off by 200 points. It's currently sitting at 3413 um, but it is still down 0.36% on the day and way off of that 30. $4,300 price target um, so that was previously noted by Morgan Stanley. Now you see a $4,100 price target, um, and it's still way off that $4,100 price target. I have been saying that Amazon is a $4,000 stock, in my opinion. It's my largest holding, full disclaimer. But what did Morgan Stanley have to say? They said, quote, our analysis of Amazon's 700,000-person U.S. logistics workforce and rising wage levels or reveals wages reveal more profit pressure ahead as we lower our 21.22 EBIT by 16 to 19% and price target to $4,100. Now, through Amazon may be range bound until revenue can reaccelerate in the first half of 2022. So some very interesting commentary out of Morgan Stanley. They basically saying that they'd like to see a reacceleration or that growth that they were seeing, consistent growth, come back to Amazon, but the company's still turning out double-digit growth. So I'm not sure I agree fully with this call. Now, shifting over to JP Morgan, they initiated coverage of Airbnb today as neutral, saying Airbnb saw significant headwinds from COVID-19. Like others in the travel industry, the second quarter 2020 book and revenue were down 70% year over year. But unlike many of them, Airbnb's top line is mostly back to or above pre-pandemic levels with second quarter 2021 nights and experiences booked, recovering to 99% of the second quarter 19 levels in gross bookings and revenue 37 and 10% above. So very interesting there. JP Morgan initiating Airbnb as neutral on the fact that they are starting to get those top line numbers back in check, if not better than what they previously were before the pandemic. Now, JP Morgan also made a big call on Apple um, as overweight saying, quote, we believe the slowdown in August indicates that consumers have deferred purchases in wait for the iPhone 13 launch, which would corroborate with the strong order numbers being unconfirmed or reported in China. China. So JP Morgan believes the iPhone 13 demand is there, that Apple's going to do well with the iPhone 13. 
And that is definitely something to pay attention to um, in that you should be buying Apple on the fact that these rumors and unconfirmed rumors are implying. Um, and then the data is also implying um, more larger sales than expected of the iPhone 13. Very interesting note. Now, Piper Sandler names Best, uh, best Buy a best idea. While well, there's a lot of best in that call. But either way, Piper Sandler on Best Buy saying, quote, with the upcoming rollout of its new membership program, Best Buy Total Tech, Best Buy BBY is quickly becoming one of our top ideas under coverage. Not only do we view Total Tech as one of the most intriguing initiatives Best Buy has launched in five plus years, but also shares trade at five-year lows on a relative basis and near five-year lows on an absolute basis. So they basically make the call that Best Buy is undervalued here, that the stock has been stagnant or moving to the downside for way too long, and that it is time to buy Best Buy, a popular retail name. And trust me, retail has been a hard space to be successful in over the course of the past decade. Now, Bank of America reiterating Netflix as a buy, saying, quote, we continue to see a long runway for Netflix to increase its market share from linear TV and we believe it is in a strong position to continue raising prices as its engagement continues to increase not to mention also I'll tag on to that that their content lineup for the back half of this year is much better than it was for the first half of the year and they're probably going to see um, slightly better quarters the last two quarters of this year than they did the first two quarters during the first half now finally we're going to round out these calls with an oil name Goldman Sachs reiterating Exxon as a buy saying quote Exxon is one of our most out of consensus ratings where most investors we speak to are concerned about a the sustainability of earnings execution given weaker EPS surprises ratios than the S&P in recent years and b the premium valuation versus US oil peers interesting call there by Goldman Sachs on Exxon um and a lot of big calls right now going around saying that oil is the place to be that really not just oil, but energy is the place to be and that these big time energy names like Exxon are definitely going to do well over the course of the next few months. We'll have to wait and see if that is the truth. Now, shifting into the company or the individual company that we're going to talk about today, that company is Pfizer, Fiverr, um, ticker symbol FVRR. Um, so definitely type this ticker into your phone or whatever app you use to just brief over a company. We're going to take a look at it and see what it is doing. The current stock price is 198 bucks per share. Um, we actually did roll out a breakdown on this name last week. We're going to be going through it here, describing what Fiverr does their latest quarter and whether it is a solid long-term investment. So here we go. Fiverr International, ticker symbol FVRR, is a unique e-commerce company that provides customers with a unique platform that follows a service as a product SAP model. Breaking down Fiverr's business model, the company earns a majority of revenue through the core marketplace where buyers and sellers are connected. Now, sifting through Fiverr's software is a product SAP model, a buyer initiates a transaction and pays Fiverr directly for their chosen service. Then Fiverr prompts the seller to deliver the complete service. And once the service is complete from the vendor, Fiverr makes 80% of the entire transaction value available to whoever was carrying out the service and they get paid. Now, furthermore, Fiverr offers customers Fiverr Learn and Co, Clear Voice, and promoted gigs, all of which make up the company's additional revenue. And you must know that the majority of the revenue comes through Fiverr's core platform in the marketplace. Now, in recent news, Fiverr launched Seller Plus throughout the quarter. According to the company, Seller Plus is a, quote, subscription-based loyalty program for freelancers that is offered for $29 per month. The program provides subscribers access to a bevy of tools that increase customer loyalty and the seller and 
assist business growth. Now, Fiverr is led by co-founder, director, and CEO, Misha Kaufman, who has been with the company since its inception. Kaufman boasts prior experience from several technology companies, including Invisia, Kinesis, and Spotback. So some very interesting names there and quite a bit of experience um, from the CEO. I do like to see that he's a co-founder, so he's been with the company for quite a long time. Um, and I always like founder-led companies or co-founder-led companies. I think it definitely helps with leadership. Now, shifting into the team behind Kaufman, management is filled with leaders boasting prior experience from the likes of Wix, Adelim, Anavo, Velocity, 888 Holdings, Similar Web, Marvel Technologies, and IBM. So some big-time companies there, some big-time wisdom here in Fiverr's management team. Now, digging into the numbers, Fiverr beat Q2 2021 expectations with an EPS of 19 cents, and that's better than the analyst EPS consensus for the Q2 or uh, second quarter um, of 10 cents. Now, on a year-over-year basis, EPS improved by 90%. Now, if we shift into the revenue front, Fiverr reported $75.3 million in second quarter revenues or second quarter 2021 revenues, um, representing a strong 60% improvement year over year. And then finally, for reference, the second quarter 2020 revenue level was 47.1 million bucks. Now, shifting outside of revenues, and we do have to note that according to the management, revenues were driven higher by an increase in take rate, active buyer growth, and spend per buyer. Alongside revenue, gross profit and gross margin continue to improve with Fiverr reporting a $62.7 million second quarter gross profit and a GAAP gross margin of 83.4%. Now, both of those are big improvements. The previous um, Q2 2020 gross profit level was $39.2 million bucks, and the gross margin was 83.1%. So we saw both gross margin and gross profit improve actually quite well. Now, rotating in the spend per buyer, that's also abbreviated SPB, um, that improved. Fiverr delivered a second quarter 2021 uh, spend per buyer of $226 per buyer, representing 23 expand, uh, 23% expansion year over year in SPB when compared to the same time 2020 level of $184 per buyer. Furthermore, active buyers continued to expand with Fiverr ending the second quarter of 2021 with a whopping 4 million active buyers, representing 43% growth year over year in active buyer count. Now, flipping in the take Take rate, Fiverr delivered a second quarter 2021 take rate of 27.8%, representing an 80 basis point improvement year over year. Now, according to the management, the rate was driven higher by the implementation of a service fee, software software subscriptions, e-learner courses, and more. Now, rounding out the quarter, Fiverr reported a second quarter net loss on a GAP basis. Do note this, and those are just... Um, basically financial metrics or financial uh, rules there when they do accounting. It's just accounting um, requirements of, unfortunately, negative $13.3 million. So they reported a net loss of negative $13.3 million bucks, representing an expanding net loss over the same time 2020 level of negative $0.1 million. Finally, Fiverr reported an improving EBITDA with Q2 2021 adjusted EBITDA totaling $7.4 million dollars representing 9.8 percent of revenue referring back to the second quarter of 2020 adjusted EBITDA totaled 3.1 million dollars representing 6.7 percent of revenue so EBITDA did improve now management was upbeat about the second quarter saying quote Looking at the last two years, we have effectively doubled our active buyer base, tripled our revenue base, and achieved a nearly 30% positive swing in the EBITDA margin. We grew significantly faster than our competitors and rapidly expanded 
our market share in the freelancing economy, CEO Kaufman said. Now, looking to the future, leadership guided Q3 2021 revenues to a range of $68 million to $72 million, representing 30 to 38% growth um, year over year, solid double-digit growth. Furthermore, Q3 adjusted EBITDA is expected to land within a range of 2.5 to $3.5 million. Now, on a full-year basis, unfortunately, leadership lowered guidance. Now expecting full-year 2021 revenues to land within a range of $280 million to $288 million, and that's roughly 48 to 52% growth year over year. So I am not complaining here about guidance yet. I'm not bitching about it whatsoever because at the end of the day, that while they did lower guidance, it's still 48 to 52% growth in revenue year over year, which is a pretty darn strong number. Finally, um, full year 2021 adjusted EBITDA is expected to land within a range of 12 million to 14 million bucks, but that is a lower range than previously guided of 19.5 to 24.5 million dollars. So maybe that's where the hit is coming from um, when it comes to this disappointment over guidance. Now shifting into the balance sheet, the numbers are pretty darn solid. They have 365 million bucks in debt, total liabilities, 550 million dollars, total assets, $896 $896 million and a cash short-term investments level of $442 million. Now, if we dig into the current valuation here of Fiverr, you will see that it is lofty. Um, In fact, it trades at a forward price to earnings ratio, 367 times price to sales, 30 times price to book at 21 times and um, a price to free cash flow of 259.37 times. So, Lofty levels when it comes to the valuation, but um, is it worth it when you're paying for 48 to 52% revenue growth year over year on the full year? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, That is all based on how you interpret the numbers and what you believe. Now, management could be more effective in the years ahead. Um, They have a return on equity of negative 12.6%, return on assets of negative 6%, and a return on invested capital of negative 7.8%. But on the big long-term scale of things, Fiverr is relatively new. They're a newer platform, a newer business model. Um, And, you know, you can give them some leeway here because typically these numbers with newer companies are out of whack. Now, um, given the numbers, given the price targets, uh, given, well, not the price targets, but given the analyst views, the price target currently or the mean price target is $220.50 per share. The high price target, 257 and the low, 200 So it is safe to say currently that the analysts are neutral bullish on this one mostly. Um, that's not too bad when it comes to positive sentiment. And, the big, and then the big money, on the other hand, is less involved, actually, on Fiverr. There's not so many people um, who own it. In fact, institutional ownership sits at 47.90%, and top holders currently are Bessemer Venture Partners, Sands Capital Management, and Franklin Advisors. Some big-time players there. Um, who own some Fiverr. Now, if you want a technical breakdown of Fiverr, go to runningwiththemoney.com. Under the analysis tab, you will find a breakdown of Fiverr. It's the second one down. Um, it's definitely one to check out. You get all this information completely free with a technical breakdown. Definitely go check it out, runningwiththemoney.com. Now, exploring investor sentiment, the Bears believe that Fiverr benefited greatly from the pandemic and that growth will rapidly decelerate in the upcoming quarters. Meanwhile, the Bulls see opportunity in Fiverr's unique e-commerce business model and believe the service as a product marketplace will thrive as the world goes digital. In short, 
Fiverr, ticker symbol FVRR, is a solid long-term pick, boasting an expanding customer base, reliable management team, improving margin and profits, coupled with a hefty balance sheet and accelerating spend per buyer SPB. Um, and that is all you need to know about Fiverr. If you want to know more, runningwithmoney.com, go check it out. It is under the analysis tab. You'll get this full, full analysis and more, and then do some research on the name. Maybe it's a good investment for you. Now, in the current market conditions, would I be a buyer today of Fiverr? I would not especially given what we're seeing with yields and maybe starting to see a rotation outside of growth. Fiverr might get nailed and that might be your opportunity after rotation is complete. But at the end of the day, that is the conclusion of the Running With The Money podcast. We will be back, of course, on Wednesday to talk to Mark's individual companies and any questions you have. Thank you for listening. Easily Profit Trade On, and I will see you on Wednesday.